This is Ben. And this is Keith. And this is Main Street Lutherans. Well, Keith, you know, we're, we're, uh, this will be published on January 20th, it turns out. And uh, so that puts us for these things now. Yeah. Well, that, that puts us in the middle of, uh, you know, we're sort of in that, in that middle space between New Year's resolutions on January 1st Mm -hmm. and Lenten disciplines or, or Lenten, uh, you know, giving something up for Lent on, on Ash Wednesday. And so I thought this would be also Valentine's Day. Well, that, that's true. You could give up Valentine's Day for Lent. Good. I don't think my wife would like that idea, though. No, not unless you celebrate the weekend ahead. Yeah, maybe Valentine's Day is a movable feast. I think the restaurants would agree with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was thinking about that and and uh, what, you know, we preparing for Lent. You know, we it, it's funny because because Lent is a season of preparation. But in a way, you have to prepare for Lent. Uh, just like right. we were talking about decorating for Christmas, you have to prepare to decorate for Advent. Um, yeah. So there's like a whole separate season of preparing for the preparation. Right. But so New Year's resolutions, I'm thinking, are very similar to what a lot of people do with their Lenten disciplines. And we'll talk about Lenten disciplines as our, our main topic. But I thought this was a good chance for me to, to uh, confess, which is, you know, proper Lutheran tradition. And so I'm, I'm confessing that I had a New Year's resolution. My wife thought it was ill-advised, and and, uh, I'll tell you just how ill-advised it was. I was going to do squats, Mm. right? And so I had this in my head that in January, I was going to do one squat each day, right? So the first day, I do one, then I do two, then three, then four, then five, then six, and then do 31 31 squats. And I have have one of those uh, strap things so that I don't, you know, I've got some support. Okay. Now here's the problem: is in October I I messed up my knee and I think I've got a torn meniscus, mm. and uh, and so by day two I couldn't do squats, it hurt Ouch. and it was causing pain. So I had to stop on the third day. Really, um, I had to not do any squats. And so then I decided I was gonna I was gonna pick up what last year's attempt was, and that is to read more. And mm. so I got I got my Nook or uh, is is it a Nook the Amazon thing the Kindle. I got it completely charged up and I've got a book loaded and I am faithfully reading that at least not skipping more than one day. So, okay. so that's good. How about you? Did you do any resolutions? I did not. Um, it's just, it's not something that occurs to, to me and Deb much. And also partly because we've already been talking about our, our Lenten discipline, I think partly because it's so early in the year, but we'll, uh, I can hold off on that conversation for a little bit yeah oh i left out the the really ill-advised part of my my lenten or my uh, mm. my resolution which was that i thought that if i do that do it that way then in in february i would do two sets of each one you know okay. so so on the first day i'd do two sets of one and then two sets of two and then two sets of mm. three and so the last day i'd be doing two sets of 20 oh it's a leap year 29 yeah so the then, irony of what you're describing, though, in in you know giving this up after day two is that on day three you did not rise again. I did not rise again. You're right. Yeah. I didn't even get down again. So, <laughs> yeah. But we figured out. Deborah figured out, or she at least told me that you know, on December 31st I would be doing 31 sets of 30 or 12 sets of 31. That's a lot. That that yeah. If I didn't have a torn meniscus, still I would have one by that. Right. So yeah. So yeah, it was probably good that I didn't continue with that. Anyway, 
Yeah. So, so we're in that middle space between epiphany and Lent now. Mm-hmm. I suppose this is where our new year's resolutions of going to the gym switch to what our, our, uh, Lenten, you know, we'll call them disciplines or, or practices, but you know, in a way we talk about, we really talk about them as Lenten, Lenten resolutions, not to drink coffee, not to eat chocolate, uh, not to eat sugar, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they really are different, which I, I think, again, we're going to get into in a little bit. Yeah. But I, I also think this is a good time to start thinking about that thing mm-hmm. and how we approach the Lenten disciplines. Mm-hmm. Right. Before we do that, uh, what's the what's the history of Lenten disciplines? So interestingly, Lenten disciplines have been around pretty much as long as Lent has. It's like a lot of things in the church. It developed over time, over a long span of time. But you can see references to fasting all the way back to the days of Jesus himself. And then it becoming more regularized and associated with a particular time of the year as Lent was becoming more regularized in the like fourth and fifth centuries. So a pretty long time. And and while there's been a little bit of shifting about the length of the season and the timing of it, yeah, I I think at least as far back as the fifth century, uh, we've been looking at, at the season of Lent sort of as we know it today, meaning that it starts 46 days before Easter, because the uh, the six Sundays in Lent don't count as the 40 days. What is the difference between the resolutions and and disciplines? Or what what was what was the purpose of the fasting uh, during Lent or during Holy Week? What was that for? Yeah. So again, Christians have been fasting since before um, the time of Christ, because, you know, coming out of a Jewish tradition, there was often periods of fasting or as, as part of the, the the calendar of the year or or periods in people's lives when they would fast. But, you know, the fasting in the ancient church, we're talking back like as far as the second century, uh, there were traditions of fasting on Wednesdays and on Fridays. Wednesdays to observe the day that Jesus was betrayed by Judas and Friday to observe the day that Jesus uh, was crucified. But then, you know, the the, the fasting as, as the season of Lent became more, you know, what we recognize as Lent today, the the fasting became more and more attached to it. So uh, while, you know, Christians could fast all throughout the year, it became much more common to fast during the season of Lent, whether that was once a week, you know, probably a lot of us have heard of the tradition of, of Catholics, for example, fasting from eating meat on Fridays, or the notion of giving up something for Lent, you know, for the entire season, or at least for spans of time through that. And I think the the biggest difference between Lenten disciplines and resolutions is comes back to intent. And I'd say that there can be overlap. You know, you could make a New Year's resolution that is more like a Lenten discipline. But the Lenten disciplines tend to not be the kinds of things that we do as New Year's resolutions. So like you mentioned, giving up coffee or giving up chocolate, you know, as a as a New Year's resolution. You can do those things for Lent, but the the purpose of these these of fasting and other disciplines is to help us focus our attention more on God. And that, you know, isn't always the case when it's just, Hey, I need to exercise more starting January one. So whether it's something that we stop doing for the season of Lent or something that we take on for the season of Lent, it's, it's intention is to help us to focus more on God, our relationship with God, our brokenness in our relationship with God, the grace of Jesus in our relationship with God, et cetera, all those kinds of things. 
uh, three different years. Um, I haven't done it in a while now, but three different years, I I had a a Lenten brew group at my church, um, mm-hmm. whichever church I was at at the time. And what we did was prior to Ash Wednesday, usually the weekend before Lent, we would brew a a Trappist ale, and we would get together, do the do the whole mash and and everything. It would ferment at my house, and people would. I think interesting thing about brewing, especially if you don't do it very often or if it's your first time, you you are always interested in how it's doing, right? Uh-huh. And so, one of the neat things that we would do then is that every time you thought about the beer that you cannot drink. Right. You can drink other beers, but you cannot drink this beer mostly because mm-hmm. it's not done yet. Right. But anytime you think of it, think about, think about the cross. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's something that's, that's egging you into thinking about why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and, and then interestingly, we would bottle it about a week before a week or two weeks before Easter. And then it would ferment in the bottle to carbonate. And that way then on Easter vigil, um, we would have the, the disbursement of the of the beer and so that would be the uh the payoff of that whole lenten discipline which was was kind of fun yeah but, but i think it, it works pretty well that way cool yeah well, there's a community aspect to it then too where you're gathering people at the beginning and and gathering again with them in the end at least to celebrate and and maybe there's you know some conversations along the way also yeah yeah, yeah. It, it it was a lot of fun and and it i think it 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 helps people reframe how they looked at Lenten discipline. Yeah. So, so the Lutheran way then, so we, we basically kept the Roman Catholic tradition with the, the schism with, with the, uh, the Lutheran congregations, the evangelical uh, congregation splitting, mm-hmm. uh, they kept those traditions. They didn't see them as, as, you know, commanded by God, the the command of the of the the bishops and of the uh, the Pope didn't matter so much. You know, in our churches, I think the things that that I remember from my childhood more than I do from modern day church services is that we stop saying Hallelujah, and of course, this was Green Book or the early Red Book service, where you would every every Sunday have that 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 line you know, that you'd sing hallelujah in, in the service. And that was taken out and replaced with a different song. Right. Uh, and the other part was that th- at the end of the confession, we didn't have, we didn't have the direct absolution, right? We didn't have the statement from the pastor that said, you are now forgiven uh, for the entirety of all your sins. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we had something that was less, it, it didn't not say that, but, but it didn't. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be telling you no, you're not forgiven. It would just you just wouldn't hear those words quite so plainly. And yeah, and that right. becomes a, a a chance to uh, focus again on that need for forgiveness that we have with God. Yeah, yeah. Some resources that we might point people to, Ben. Oh yes. So we found a uh, there was a handbook for the discipline of Lent. We've got a link to it in the episode notes, and so you can pull that up. It's got some explanations of lots of things. Actually, I found it pretty useful because it explains things about the making of the sign of the cross. It explains the the uh, the stations of the cross, which become important in a lot of our celebrations of Holy Week or our remembrances of Holy Week. It's got some prayers, prayer for eggs. I found that one to be quite quite fun. So right, <laughs> we eat eggs on Easter. 
That's right. And then yeah. we also found a Lenten study guide made by ELCA World Hunger, which gives some suggestions on how to proceed through Lent uh, with things to think about from that. How common do you think it is in our ELCA churches to to really focus on Lent? I would expect pretty common. I don't know of a Lutheran or maybe ELCA Lutheran church that doesn't observe the season of Lent, at least as far as their worship is concerned. You know, what what it looks like in people's lives outside of worship, I don't know. I, I in a rough guess, I don't know, I'd say maybe of the regular church folks that I know, I would bet half of them, you know, take on some form of discipline, either, either fasting from something or hmm. uh, taking on maybe additional prayers or devotions or volunteering or, or something like that. I don't know. What about you? You know, I think aside, I think for most of the congregations I'm, I'm around right now, I think a lot of them just add the Wednesday service. Okay. Uh, so, so the, and it's usually a conference thing. So the, the churches in the conference being a subdivision of the synod. Um, right. So a regional sort of area. So maybe, maybe seven or eight churches gathered together and then they'll do a rotating service and a rotating preacher. And I don't know. I think, I think a lot of those services in our area, at least are lucky to come up with maybe 30 people at those services for, for six or seven congregations put together. Okay. Uh, some congregations are well known for not showing up at any that isn't at their church. Yeah. We've, we've done the Wednesday services before and, and just find that the attendance is fairly abysmal. <laughs> but last year we started using a new well, not not last year, but a couple of years ago, we started using a, a, a sort of sub-Lutheran publishing house for their liturgies for Advent and Lent. And, um, you know, they include orders for service and ideas for, you know, what those things look like. And and people have responded pretty well to that. Uh, I can put in a plug for it. It's called Barn Geese Worship, and it's produced by um, a handful of ELCA Lutherans. Um, several of them are, are pastors. Some of them are um, theologians and, and writers, and they put together some really good stuff. And we'll put a link to that in the episode notes. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So, things that we could do um, for the season of Lent, uh, like I said, you can you can you can give things up or you can take things on. So the classic, um, I think three, I guess, would be fasting, prayer, and and almsgiving are sort of the old school labels for them, but it's, um, you know, it's giving up something, taking something on and, or, uh, making contributions of, of time, uh, or finances to worthy causes are kind of the classic things that, that get done. I came across a list uh, a number of years ago that I've used in conversations with folks around the season of Lent. I won't read this whole thing, but it's 10 curious things to give up or to take up for Lent. So number one is just give up something, doesn't matter once, doesn't matter what, and each day use the constant reminder to pray for a different person. Uh, it suggests you give up texting and make phone calls instead, give up gossip, give up cell phone or screen use um, for certain times a day or, or certain apps, you know, get off social media, whatever. One that I've, uh, a taking on discipline that I've heard of people actually doing is to come up with a list of 40 people and that have had a positive impact on your life and every day write them a letter naming you know that event um, or that relationship and and thanking them for it i think that's kind of cool yeah 
Now, one of the things that, that we did last year, uh, our uh, intern at church, Judy, she she introduced us to a thing called Lenten Madness. And so I've got a link to it in the episode notes there. They choose a list of of, uh, of saints or potential saints, and it's, it's run by an Episcopal church. So they've got a pretty generous uh, definition of saints. And as you go through the season, it's it's like a, an NCAA tournament bracket for basketball. And each each day of of Lent, they have a face off between two of those saints and they'll have a little explanation of them. So if and, the, and then there's voting based on that. So so if a, a saint goes through this all the way to the end, you'll have heard from them about four or five times what they did, what their significance is to the church or their, their good works in the world. And so you can play that. We did that as a, as a congregation. People filled out brackets and we counted up points and, and did that sort of thing. Um, and that's kind of fun. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's uh, it, it gets a little nerdy in there, but, but that's kind of some, some congregations go for that. The other thing I was thinking about, and, and I think it's one of the things that, that kind of brought this topic to, to to start anyway, is that I live in a in a section of of uh, America of of Detroit that was given a special dispensation by the Catholic Church at some point. It's it's uh, rumored that it was pastor or uh, or I don't know if he was a bishop, but Gabriel Richard, which a lot of things in Detroit are named after him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gave us a, a dispensation, and then it was supposedly given by by the pope at some point that people who live downriver in in the Detroit River because muskrat were the main source of food there were they didn't have fish they could access the french uh, the french fur traders um they couldn't access fish so instead of that because muskrat live in the water that they got considered to be fish and so you could have muskrat dinners now the irony of this is that the Catholic Church here on our island, and then also in the in the surrounding area, they just have fish and shrimp and and chicken and pizza for uh, for Lent, their Lenten uh, suppers. The only church that offers muskrat dinners is a Lutheran church, <laughs> um, and so I suspect wow. that it's because I, I suspect that part of it is that those Lutherans came from the Catholic Church. They they left the Catholic Church to go to that church. And right. uh, continued that thing, but there right. are also sportsman dinners and things like that. So eating muskrat in this area is is kind of a uh, tradition anyway. But so, how does one prepare muskrat? Well, my understanding is they boil them, and then they boil them again, and then they fry them in garlic and butter. All right, and it's supposed to taste something like like duck. It okay. somehow doesn't taste like chicken. It tastes like duck. Okay. Um, but I'm not going to try it. It's anything that it looks like a rabbit as far as I can tell. And, and every time I look at a cooked rabbit, I just can't bring myself to eat it. Right. And so that's, that's on me. But, uh, but yeah, it's a tradition from, from this neighborhood. That's kind of cool. So So what are you, do you have something in mind that you might give up or take on for Lent this year, Ben? You know, I haven't really thought about it this year. Mm. How about you? I'm going to repeat uh, my wife and I are going to repeat the uh, the same one that we did last year for the two of us, which was to um, refrain from drinking alcohol uh, during the season of Lent, with the exception of one day a week. So one of the things that you can do with Lenten practices, and people, I don't know if there's a strict teaching one way or the other on this, but some people, you know, take to heart what is said about the 40 days of Lent, not including Sundays, and the 
the, the sort of tradition behind that is that the Sundays are always celebrations of the resurrection of Jesus. And so um, the disciplines can be foregone on Sundays. Yeah. And some people do that and some people don't. So for example, if someone's giving up, you know, sweets for Lent on Sunday, they might let themselves have a piece of cake or some cookies or whatever. It's like a cheat day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which I think is not unhealthy in, in certain approaches. So, so Debbie and I let ourselves have a drink one day a week. That's typically not Sunday because that's just not, it seems odd for that to be the one day that we would drink. So, so we took, we, we would, we, we usually choose Friday or sometimes Saturday and, uh, you know, just let ourselves have that, that drink in the evening to unwind, sort of celebrate getting through the week, even to, to kind of be prepared for the weekend. And yeah, it becomes a little mini, mini celebration. But, you know, I think Lenten disciplines, not unlike New Year's resolutions, you know, can be taken with some moderation. And if they're unhealthy, stop. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm not giving up for Lent, though? What's that? Catechism questions. Ooh, what so, do we so got this week? In our last episode, we had uh, what commandments focus on mankind's or people's relationship with God. And uh, we had a ver- variety of numbers. Uh, the answer is the first through the third. Right. Right. So uh, pretty easy, really, when you read through them. Yeah. To match with that, of course, now we have the new question for this week is, what commandments focus on people's relationship with one another? And so the answers are potentially, so just the prime ones, just the odd ones, uh, the last six, the last seven, or none of the above. How's that for, All right. if you have any questions, if you, if you have a, an answer to that, share it with us on social media to our email address, whichever, we'll pick a winner one of these days. And, uh, and you'll be uh, uh, given, I don't know, we'll, we'll make an extra blessing for you or something like that. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah. All right. Main Street Lutherans is hosted by Keith Fair and Ben Fote. You can reach us at MainStreetLutherans at gmail.com. You can find our website at MainStreetLutherans.com. Or you can find us on the socials as at MainStreetLutherans. And right now that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. This show is produced by Folk Media Productions. Until next time, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.